Texas. Well, I am honored to uh, be teaching through a David series, and it has been a, uh, a, a, a deep series for me personally. I, I'm not really that surprised, and yet, you know, God has kind of taken me places personally that I haven't been through before. And I just, at time, twice now during this series, I said, we've got to get into worship. We've got to teach more about worship. And that would be right, right? Because David is the premier worshiper in the Bible, except for Jesus himself. He wrote the book of Psalms, most of the Psalms in the book of Psalms, which is a worship book. And, and yet we don't want to just categorize worship as something we do on Sunday morning with uh, you know, a beautiful voice like Julia, and you have the instrumentation and, and, and these songs and, you know, oh, good, that's one of my, oh, well, that's, you know, listen, worship is so much more than that. Um, in fact, it's, it's even, when you define worship, and let me get to that later. So this particular session is about worship in the home. Because that's where we live seven days a week. And so we want to break out of, I'm going to worship service. I'm going, and you just think, I'm going to a building, a gathering or something, I'm going to have, no, listen, seven days a week in your home, and we spend some time at work too. We spend some time in the car, don't we? We spend, that it is a good time for worship seven days a week. This is, in the home, is, is a, leadership issue for, if you live by yourself, it's a leadership issue. If, you, if you're, uh, you're empty nesters and it's just you and your uh, spouse, it's still a leadership issue. You decide the atmosphere and environment in your home. And that could be an apartment, that could be a condo, that could be a home, that could be out on a farm. You decide the atmosphere environment, is worship going to be a part of that environment? And so, as Joshua, who led the Israelites into the promised land, and, and they conquered the enemies, and at the end of his book, in Joshua 24, the last chapter, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. Are you going to serve the gods uh, uh, of our forefathers? Are you going to serve the gods of Egypt, who are you going to serve the gods of this land before we came? You have a choice who you're going to serve. And he was provoking them to make a decision. Make a decision, who are you going to serve? And he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so he chose, he was the leader of his home, and he said, this is going to be the atmosphere this is going to be the environment. We are people who serve. We worship God. And let's just pray to that end before we go on. Lord Jesus, you've given us that domain in our homes, that place where we dwell, where you've provided for us shelter. We're so thankful, Lord God. But Lord, you have given us a decision to make, and we choose that in our homes... Lord, we choose you, and that it will be a place of worship as much as any other place that we go to during the week. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, just a 
one definition of worship, again, we could have a lot, um, talks about, you know, adoration of God. And that's the Hebrew um, word for worship is adoration, just adoring him. You just, you just look to him. You're just amazed at him. Another in the Greek uh, of worship, which would be the New Testament uh, language, uh, worship comes from the word prostrate, laying down before a king or a ruler. And so it means a posture of submission. So here's one definition of worship. Expressing full submission and surrender to God. Because it's, it's not just something you have in your mind or heart, but it's expressed out. It's expressed out in words. It's expressed out in actions where you, when you go help someone, you do this unto God. It's not just for yourself or your neighbor. You go help your neighbor because you, you know God wants you to and you do it unto God. So it's an expression, your actions your attitudes, your words, of course, then singing and music as a submission and a surrender to this higher power, much more than a higher power, isn't he? He is the higher power. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. I want us to go to Psalm 127 as our main uh, text out of the book of Psalms. It was written by David's son, Solomon, who was the king of Israel after David. And so you can say, yes, this psalm, it wasn't written by David per se, but it was influenced by David because this is his son, and he taught his sons many things. And it's only five verses long, and so it's not a long psalm. And it goes, uh, oh, let me, there's this little title it says, it says, A Song of Ascents of Solomon. And there's a set of psalms right here in the, in the middle, it says, A Song of Ascents is ascending. And so these were written for the Jewish people when they ascend to Jerusalem, which was always up a hill. Jerusalem was the highest, higher elevation than the rest of the land. So whether you're dri- traveling south or west or east or whatever, it doesn't really matter, you're going to be going up. And it's ascending psalms. So this is when you they're singing, they're getting preparing their hearts for the feast that they're going to be in, the worship, corporate worship times they're going to be there at the temple. So they're preparing hearts, singing these various psalms. And here's one written by Solomon. Let's read the first two verses. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain, and who build it? They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Who in here loves sleep? I love sleep. I'm grateful for sleep. I heard just a little tidbit about sleep just recently that said sleep is God's proof that man cannot make it on their own. Because there's no man that can den- say, I just want, looking at this verse, verse 2, it is vain to you to rise up early to late to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. So even if you wanted to work all day and night and say, I'm going to just dominate my field and my career, I'm just going to work 24-7, I'm, 
God won't let you. you. Your body will crash and become useless and just lay there like a sandbag and, you know, twit, twitting every now and then as you have a dream or something. And it's God's way of saying you cannot make it through a day without submitting to the way I created you and trusting in me that, yeah, you've got a lot to do on your list. Yeah, you can make more money, but you're going to need, I'm going to put you to sleep. So your faith is being exercised and not just assuming you can do it all yourself. You can't do it all yourself. And in verse 1, the word vain appears twice. So in these two verses, there's three situations that the Holy Spirit is saying through these scriptures, it is vain, it is useless to rise up early, to sit up late. You've got to trust God. You've got to go to bed and sleep. It is useless to guard a city and just trust that all the protection for the city that you need, you can make your watchman uh, uh, do this perfectly. No, you've got to trust God to protect your city. It's not going to be fervent. There's going to be some guard's going to fall asleep. Some guard's going to make a mistake. They're not going to see something. It is vain to think that you can watch and guard the city without God's help. And let's talk about our home, our house. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. It is useless to try in your own wisdom or just to adopt what other people are doing or what the world's doing or what's common. It is useless to just do what your parents did without thinking through what this biblical, was this right? And you want God's wisdom to build your house. Okay, now the word house, let's expand this because, you know, it's not just meeting, even though you construction guys and I do some do-yourself projects, this verse, you want this verse. When you're repairing something, building something, Lord, I trust you in this project. How many times do you get in a project, it lasts 10 times longer, and it goes bad, and you have to repair something two or three times? Yeah, this is the verse you go to. God, unless the Lord builds a house, a labor of vain to build it, I'm asking you to help me with this project. I trust in you in it. Yes, so this does apply to a physical house. But, you know, really, you only have one home your whole life. You make your home. You make that choice what that home is going to be like. And, and whether there's children in the house or not, however many people, doesn't matter. Your home is where you are. And you turn that house into a home, that phrase, because you come into it and you inhabit it and you change the atmosphere and the environment of it. So... The home is actually wherever you are. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a walking temple of the Holy Spirit 24-7. Jesus lives in you by his spirit. And so I'll say this, that your home really is, is in your mind. And that what you think on and what you depend on out of your mind infiltrates your heart and your spirit that affects the atmosphere of your home. And so it gets down to as basic is, unless the Lord builds your thoughts, what's in your mind, then that's going to affect your whole home, your family. And we do want to talk some about children today. This verse, uh, verse 3 goes on to say, Behold, children 
are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who, who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Delise and I were living in uh, Pennsylvania, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We had three boys at the time, and we had just lived there. Um, I'm going to say, I, I can't remember. I'm going to get my years mixed up, but um, a, a couple years. We were trying to decide, do we want to have more children? We had three boys, plenty of energy. Do we want to risk a fourth boy? Do we want to go f- for number four? And we had kind of started to pray about it. And as we did, uh, this scripture came to me in my devotions, Isaiah 54. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent, curtains wide. And, and, it, and it goes on about expanding this and that in this verse. I'm like, well, that, that maybe could be it. That morning after my devotion time, I went to a prayer meeting at the church. One of the guys who is faithful and, and, and someone who sought the Lord said, Stephen, I have a scripture for you. Isaiah 54, 2. It says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your, your, your curtains. And I'm like, oh, wow, this really must be for the Lord. So I shared to Lisa, we got peace. And hey, give us another twin boys. It's okay, Lord. We'll just go for another. another. And, uh, and God gave us a little princess instead, Jana. But being in that atmosphere of Lancaster County, four was not a big family. That was kind of just your average size family. They had five, six, seven. They went on and on in that environment. And so they gave us encouragement of faith. So what is your quiver full of them? That's going to be different with everybody. That's between you and the Lord, what your quiver is full. And the Lord will guide you in that. And But when you hear these scriptures we just read, it's very different than the culture of today. O children, verse 3, behold, they're a heritage from the Lord. They're a reward. They're a blessing. Make sure your quiver is full of them. That's a whole different attitude of today. It's like children are a hindrance to your career, to your success. They're a hindrance to this, a hindrance to that. Listen, I don't get that from this. This is God's blessing on you, and it's you're not going to miss out on anything with as you obey the Lord and having children, and as many as the Lord leads. It's also antithetical to this abortion on demand. Praise God, Roe versus Wade was overturned. But I want to tell you, yeah, maybe you'll call that an unwanted pregnancy. Maybe you call it an accident, but it's no accident to God. It's not an unwanted pregnancy in God's sight. He has preordained a life destined for that little fetus, that little baby in the womb that is to glorify him. They are very wanted. They are very wanted. They are, there is no accident. This is, God has a plan that's come from eternity and imprinted on that little baby in the womb. And this is always a time when I bring up this the horror of abortion and how it's still very prevalent with the online abortion pill, how easy access it is. That's where they're putting all their money and efforts uh, on the pro-abortionists. It's very dangerous to women and, of course, to, to the babies. And, and, and so there's a, still a battle out there. 
that God is a God of healing. And if you or someone online or if you know someone that has had an abortion, a woman or a man or a grandparent that supported it, God is a healer and restorer of your soul. He does not hold this as a punishment to drive your emotions and depression into the ground. No, he is a restorer of your heart, and he doesn't want your past to determine your future. You can be forgiven as we have gone into this David series and realize David can deceive, he can commit adultery and commit murder and try to keep on going with life. God made a way for him to be restored back to God. He is the God of the second, third, and fourth chance, and you have the uh, God's plan for you is to be restored fully in Christ, emotionally, in your worship, in your prayers. Your home. I want to just share a little personal practice, and, and I know it's, it might be kind of unusual for some. It is not, it's not something that I'm, I think everybody's got to do it the way I do it or whatever. But I take seriously when, I'm, when we move and go to a new house that this home is going to get prayed over uh, in those first number of uh, days and nights that we're there. And not just prayed over, I mentioned this as as an illustration when I go to hospitals and I anoint uh, the person uh, to be healed, that I anoint things in the room, that this whole room is set apart as a healing chamber. And Jennifer just raised her hand. I did that in her room, uh, and when she was unconscious and uh, having a brain bleed, they hardly even knew what was going on with her. And I just prayed over that room, probably more than one room as far as that goes. But hey, um, and what it is, it's, a, it's a, just a picture out of the Old Testament, the temple. They anointed every piece of furniture and article that went into the temple. They anointed it. It's, it's a symbolism of this is set apart for God, for him and his glory. It's, it's, it's a symbol when I do it. I, I get a new car. I anoint my car with oil because <laughs> I want God's blessing on it. Now, again, it's just a way to exercise your faith. It's just, a, it's just an act while you're praying, right? There's no magic in the oil. I've got some in my pocket right now. It doesn't have to be of olive oil. It doesn't have to be from Israel. It can be the cooking oil in your, in your closet. Just get a little, It's part of this prayer that you have to release your faith that this is dedicated to God. I encourage you, hey, if pray over your house if you haven't done it. Dedicate each room of the house as this, you're choosing. This house, we will serve the Lord in this house. The atmosphere of this home is a place of worship. It's an environment of worship to God. Some of, of you, and I've, you know, watched this and have done this in the past, not just be careful what comes into the house, but what gets stays in the house. Sometimes our past of occultic uh, books and records and just, uh, downright evil uh, lyrics and music that's stuck in a CD or album somewhere. There could be something, and you've just got it in a drawer somewhere you forgot about, but it represents the kingdom of darkness, and you need to clean out your home. Why pray about, hey, God and Philip, envelop, you know, our home with your peace and presence when you've got stuff in here that is anti-Christ and that is 
against God. Man, I'm getting some amens on that one. How about that? And God will lead you on that. And, 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 uh, but, you know, just, hey, listen, you want God's blessing on your home. You, everything, you don't want to say, well, I'm holy on Sundays and six days a week I just do my own thing. No, listen, this is a life of worship. Uh, your home is a place of worship. I want to transition a little bit with this thought here. That your home is, I think the number one purpose of the home is to provide shelter because humans can't, you know, survive without shelter. And then beyond that, God has purposes for the home. One is rest, right? A safe place to rest, to have his peace, to be rejuvenated in mind, body, and spirit. But one purpose is that for your home to be a ministry center, That's for you personally. That is for your family members, but that's for your neighbors and friends that you have over. It's a ministry. See, he has sent you into a neighborhood, into an area of the county to claim for the kingdom of God. It's not just for yourself. Don't think narrow. This is just to bless me. No, there is a ministry center for others. A quick reference to the early church. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 got saved. But look what they did even in the first days of the church. In the book of Acts, it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, that would be the larger gathering place, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So they continued teaching uh, from the uh, apostles in these large settings in this expansive temple area. They weren't allowed to do that later on. And, and so homes, even, from, even when they had that, they still were gathering in homes. And you follow the New Testament, the book of Acts, you find that that was the place, primary place of gathering was in homes. And there's these statements in, in such and such house to, you know, Greet those in such and such house because they're these are body of Christ meeting in homes. So this was the first structure of gatherings was in homes for a 300 plus years until uh, Caesar Constantine became ruler Roman Empire. He became a Christian and he said you he started opening up buildings and building buildings and that's the first time they even had built today in communist in Muslim. Even in India, in strong, violent Hindu areas right now, churches are being burned. They're having to hide in the fields to protect themselves. There has always been resistance to Christianity throughout the ages. It's just as intense now. Martyrdom is just as intense now as ever. And so many homes are used right now as the main way for fellowship and growth and spiritual growth. So I want to encourage you, please start considering your home a place of ministry. Lord, how could you want to use my home for ministry? I'm going to just give you a, 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 a fun example with Kayla Watkins. Kayla, come on down here and share this story with us. Oh, 
oh, excuse me, you didn't see where Kayla was because she was back in the, uh, uh, the other office monitoring the technology piece on online uh, uh, that goes out, the live stream. And so she's a servant heart. She's back there. She's over here. And she's also a, a lover of God's word. Let's give Kayla a big hand for her serving us the way she does. You don't even know she's in the building, but she's serving us. Kayla, tell us what, what's happened recently. Yeah, so we recently, my family made the move from Baghdad to Wadi. And I found myself not really knowing a lot of people in Wadi. I know it's still Shelby County, but still, I really like knowing my immediate neighbors. And so there's a fun, like, all little communities, a Facebook page for the community. And so I ended up shooting out a message on the Facebook page for Wadi saying that I was going to host a Bible study on my front porch. Um, and I didn't realize this when we bought the house, but the Lord planted us smack in the middle of Wadi. Like, literally, if you know Wadi, two houses behind the Christian church. So right there on King's Highway. Um, and I have a great front porch. I've always been a front porch kind of person. So um, the first week, two people came. Uh, one was a lady who had moved here a year ago and was really missing some Christian fellowship because she had it when she lived in Washington State. Um, the other uh, lady went to church around here. But last week, we had five people. And we've had two people come who we've actually had conversations about how to start reading the Bible. They'll look at it and go, I have one, but I don't know where to start. What do I do? Uh, and it's been kind of cool because it's all different different walks and different. Uh, one lady had a Catholic background, so we had some fun conversations about, we're just reading through James. Uh, the first week, I think we got through two verses because we just talked. <laughs> and it was fun. Right. <laughs> so we're slowly making a little more progress, but just kind of talking about, just walking through it and kind of seeing what people's thoughts are, questions, that kind of thing. So it's been kind of cool. And this is Wadi Day weekend, apparently. I'm new to Wadi. So, uh, but the parade runs right by the front of our house that runs through Wadi tomorrow. So I've actually kind of put the, the message out there that if anybody needs a spot, with the ladies that have been there, if you need a spot to sit and watch the parade, my front porch is still open. Wow. Tomorrow for the parade. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Let's pray with Kayla and, and Brandon, who's out ministering today, actually. Uh, but let's pray for, for them in, in this, this uh, front porch Bible study. Father, what a simple offering to you and how you're filling it. Uh, what, what a blessing uh, to be inspired this way. Lord, you're the Holy Spirit. You know what each one of those ladies, there's been five. There could be more in the future, Lord God. I'm sure there will be. So, Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, teach each one where they're at. Reveal the truths of your word uh, in this Bible study. Uh, continue to give Kayla wisdom and guidance. Bless their home as a ministry center, uh, Lord God. And, and, Lord, we believe there will be a harvest here and discipleship, making disciples just like you instructed us and commanded us. Praise God. Amen. All right. Isn't that exciting, folks? Love it. Woo! Mm. We have, uh, looking for the rest of this year, a plan uh, here before the Lord to do a study on the New Testament instructions to love one another. And uh, it, it'll be a series for October, November, and we're looking at how to just obey God's word, right? And um, and we're also going to be talking at that time about more home groups, small groups, men, women's, uh, family, co-ed groups. And so you just realize God's going to open some doors here that unless you're like Kayla, you just go ahead and start one right now. Go for it, and uh, don't don't wait on us. 
and the Lord uh, will lead us together, and we're going to really go in a deeper place at that time. I'm going to transition to let someone else share right now, and um, I am honored uh, to ask, and I need that microphone again, uh, Lynn Price uh, to go ahead and, and work her way up here. And um, Lynn Price has been someone who has taught in a number children in a number of settings uh, at the Living Waters Christian School for many years. Uh, did you teach at Cornerstone as well when it became Cornerstone? Jim, your husband, taught at Cornerstone. Uh, you've taught... Uh, What's that now? And a daughter-in-law, you taught you. Oh, oh teaches there. Oh, yeah, okay, right. Um, and then uh, at Father's Love, you taught children there for many years. Here in our children's uh, ministries, uh, your grandchildren uh, and greats. And greats, you know. So this is someone that, if you've seen, you know, been a part of those ministries, you know how effective she is. And I wanted her to speak into this as far as worship in the home, Christ in the home. And uh, so, so glad you're here. And let's let me let you do it. Okay. Do you need this stool right here? No. Okay. All right. I'm going to take it then. I'm going to cut that in here. I have to put my glasses on now. These gray hairs and wrinkles all count for something. <laughs> A couple of things happened to me this week uh, that I believe illustrate two points I want to make on worship in the home. I stopped to get gas. Now, that is so confusing to me because you have to make so many decisions. No, I'm not, I don't want a car wash. No, I'm not a loyalty customer. Okay, so finally I, I lift the nozzle and then select my grade, and it won't go in. I'm jamming it, and it, it won't go in. I'm looking to see what's blocking this uh, nozzle from going in. And then I realized that I'd picked up the diesel a pump, and I was trying to put diesel into my gasoline. So uh, my application here, um, what is blocking or preventing us from cultivating that worship in the home? Uh, <clears throat> let me see here. Uh, these are some of the things that I've listed and it's, it's, it's a fairly long list, but I, I, I just heard every one of them in my spirit. It says, um, being out of God's order, we're, we're running on the wrong fuel when we're in our home, when we're running, uh, when we're uh, operating in, without God's order in the home. Distractions, unforgiveness, lack of trust, hidden sin, fleshly desires, pride, lovers of pleasure more than God. Cares of this life, worldliness, complacency, laziness, busyness, back, uh, backbiting, strife, confusion, and the list goes on and on. Anything that quenches the Spirit of God works to undermine the desire of God to inhabit our homes and be praised and worshipped. Why does it feel so awkward to worship before our husbands or wives and children at home? We can do it at church. We've got this backwards. Jesus said true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. Well, so what does true worship look like? Worship is not a playlist. It's not so much something you do. It's more of something that comes out of you. It's an outward expression of what's going on in the heart. And it's an overflow of uh, your life uh, in the, of the Lord in there. And our children are more caught up. 
our, and our children catch it better than they are taught it. <clears throat> I'd like to do a pop quiz with you right now. I want you to be quiet, and I want you to listen to see if there's a song going on in your heart. I'll give you just a second. Now, depending on your answer to that question, each of us has an opportunity to uh, sow to the Spirit so that what does come up out of our hearts will be worship because he's worthy. Another encounter this week uh, illustrates my second point. On a, pat, on a podcast I listened to, the host introduced his special guest uh, as someone he had known all of his life. He said that his guest had a love for the Word, and he, lo- and he the host, loved to hear this guest read the Word of God more than anyone else. And then he said, Welcome, Dad. That's what it looks like when, we, when family is done well. The goal of every parent is to pass the baton on to the next generation. Strong families make strong churches, not the other way around. What did that home look like when that boy was growing up? What kind of life did that father live before that son that resulted in him becoming like him? I suspect it looked like Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. We had glimpses of that in our family. When Jim and I got saved in the mid-70s, our boys were 6, 9, and 11. When Jim got out his Bible, they'd get out their Bible. When Jim started learning to play the guitar, Rob learned to play the guitar. Fathers, as captains of the home vessel, have tremendous influence to steer the course of their family toward the port of holiness and worship. Wives and mothers are especially equipped with grace to nurture and instruct their children. The first scripture book that I ever compiled for the boys was the My Son Verses from Proverbs. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. My husband, Jim, had a, a beautiful a musical gift of peace. He worked, uh, he, he would come and sit at this very altar, or come down off of the praise team and sit down with his guitar and uh, worship the Lord just out of his heart, and, and he'd just draw us all in to the peace of God. But the sad thing is, we didn't do that in the home. Even yesterday, I was faced with a situation that robbed me of my peace. I was in tears. I put Jim's song on, my peace I give unto you. And almost instantly, the peace of God just uh, uh, lifted that uh, heaviness and, and my, my peace was restored. Worship is powerful. Finally, I have two resources at the back uh, for you. A list of 52 key chapters of the Bible that you can take and study with your family. Also, I have a list of some Uh, songs and hymns, uh, just simple ones that you can use for uh, beginning that worship in your home. God bless you. Thank you, Lynn. Um, So now your gym passed away two years ago. Mm -hmm. Actually, is it tomorrow? Yes. Two years ago tomorrow. Um. A 
true worshiper, no doubt, and those who knew him, you know, we would experience that from him. Um, his that song came back to you, gave you peace the other day. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a little curveball. What what is it like to have worship in your home, and you live alone now in the house? Well, it's better. Well, you need a microphone. Sorry, it's better. It's better. <laughs> There's no distractions. I don't have to have that TV on. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I, it's better. Okay. All right. Yeah. Wow. You get you get to determine I what do. the atmosphere is, but all I day do. you don't have to like Absolutely. deal with anybody else. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I don't yeah. have any strife. There's nobody to argue with. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, yeah. Uh, now I miss Jim. Oh, I, I, know. I, I, I don't mean that in a yeah. bad way. Yeah. But uh, I do get to determine, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I would come in to the room, and he'd change the channel. And I said, what, what's going on here? <laughs> so, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you may want well, I've asked more than you want to hear. Yeah, no, that, this, is, this is great. Um, great, great. Well, listen, um, you have, you said ch- uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. True. What can you think of on, I know this is on the spot, but you know, how, how do you encourage them in the Lord? Okay. Give me one example or just something that you think. All right. Well, okay. Friday, uh, Kingston comes and, uh, he shows me. How old is he? Kingston is 11. Okay. He'll be 12. And he, he's, this is his first year to wear glasses and he doesn't want to wear glasses at school. Mm-hmm. And he brings me this note. He shows me this note that somebody has written to him. And uh, it says Superman, and then it has a picture of him with his glasses on. And so I asked him, I said, Kingston, did, do you feel like this was a put-down? And he said, yeah. And so he didn't want to wear his glasses. So we, so we just took time to pray and, and release that kid. God knows the kid's motive, mm-hmm. and we prayed about it. And so you know, just day, you know, just what the circumstances as you walk and you sit you know, in your house. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lynn. Let's give her a big hand. Woo-hoo! I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to go ahead and come up. And my last point that I want to talk is, is really jumping off something she just already did. And that is, when you see God in Scripture in the Old Testament, it'll say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He lists himself as a three-generation God. And so in God's mind, he's seeing the salvation and the kingdom of God going through generations, then the next three generations, and the next three generations. It's a constant blessing of these passed on to generation to generation. And so with that said, uh, I want to say, listen, grandparents and uh, great-grandparents, and we have a role. We have a purpose. And I can say we because I am one now. And a key purpose for the creation of grandparents is to assist in the biblical and spiritual growth of their of your grandchildren. That was a great example. On the spot, she didn't, you know, she was able, out of her maturity, able to help uh, that 10-year-old right then on the spot. She had the maturity to just guide him in prayer and not let it sit and fester. I want to say, please have a, a serious prayer uh, decision about this grandparenting summit that's coming in October 20th and 21st. The early bird price is just like a week and a half away to get that early bird price. You want all the training you can get 
as a grandparent, great-grandparent on how to impact. And these are nationally known speakers who are specifically selected for this teaching. And so even if you can't come all day Friday and all day, it's, it's like, I'm sorry, I don't have the times in front of me, 9 to 4, 4.30, but you can't come both all days. We'll come, you know, half the day and then all, whatever, do what you can. It's going to be worth it to invest in yourself that there is a purpose. It's God's purpose. You are in your grandchildren's life for a purpose. It is not an accident, and I strongly encourage you to do that. I have been with talking with Julia on these worship sets and asking her, can we just do a full song at the end of my message during this worship series? I don't want to have a, just a quick concluding song where we just, uh, uh, you know, kind of do it halfway and, you know, because we're getting ready to go. I really want us to slow ourselves down and keep ourselves focused on God, to take what this message has done to inspire us and apply it in worship instantly. So I'm going to ask you uh, to go back, in a sense, into a heart of worship. And this particular song is a new song. I think you're going to love it. And let's seek God some more. Isaac, representing the younger generational here, is going to join us up here.
you are holy. You are holy. On. Test, test. Holy. You're a holy God. You're a holy God. And so with that, Lord, we don't take lightly worship in our hearts and minds. Worship in our homes. Worship here. You're holy. So we don't take it lightly. Thank you that you give us this gift. You give us this command to worship you. Lord Jesus, I want to just ask the Holy Spirit to draw in the net right now. If anybody's online or in this room, that you're not right with God. That there's this distance between you and him. Either you've known him or... You know him, but you're doing things and you're convicted by that that is is distancing you from him. Or you've never had a relationship. You've had head knowledge, but not a relationship. This is a great time to say, I want this distance gone. I don't want to be far anymore. I don't want to have doubt about being a child of God. And I'm going to just lead us all, if we would say it out loud into a simple prayer that takes you out of the a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light or takes you out of a slippery slope away from uh, sliding away from God in his ways and brings you back let's do it dear Lord Jesus I'm far from you I'm slipping away I'm convicted by your spirit and I turn to you Come into my heart. Cleanse me of all my sins. Wash me white as snow. I want to be your child. Now and forever. You're mine. And I am yours forever. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you died on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me today, for rescuing me, and bringing me back into your loving arms. We have people here on the sides available for prayer. Uh, We have someone online on a, a phone number there that you can call for the next 30 minutes here on Sunday morning, uh, available to pray for you. Uh, Don't leave a gathering like this and there's something still bothering, something at work, a fear, an anxiety, uh, maybe a health situation. Let someone pray for you and believe with you that God is intervening and going to bless you in this. Lord Jesus, this week, may we change the atmosphere in our homes to increase worship, to increase honor, and the expressions of love to you. And Lord, may we hear you when you call us to make our homes or, or to take our homes into a ministry center, opening our front porch, our deck, our uh wherever it is, our basement, our family room, whatever, Lord, may we say yes 
when you prod us and, and, and lead us into opening up our homes. Lord, all this, Lord God, is for your glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to let them keep playing this song. Feel free to.